Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic, you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. You know, I mean, I think that this is, it's important that we don't take steps back from the very strong agenda that the president himself shepherded and led over the last two years. But if the president agrees to spending caps or if he agrees to work requirements on certain social safety It's programs. going to be a problem. We do not legislate through the debt ceiling for this very reason. If you say so, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, but can we get back to what Representative Jayapal said? Can we get back to Representative Pramila Jayapal of Washington State saying that there will be a backlash in the streets if the White House agrees to spending cuts? A backlash in the streets. Huh. Well, that's... That's interesting. Two men injured. One man leaves. Two men injured. One man leaves. Two men injured. One man leaves. That's pretty insurrectiony talk right there. Do what we want or else there will be violence. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I didn't know that Pramila Jayapal was the leader of Antifa, but here we are. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What in the bloody heck is going on with you? 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. I got to tell you, I am, uh, you know, being in Indianapolis. The news that uh, Stephen Wilson is out of the Indy 500 in the Dry and Reinbold car because of that that uh, crash that happened in practice yesterday. Catherine Legg of, of Letterman, uh, of Ray Hall, Letterman Lanigan Racing, hitting uh, Stephen Wilson from behind. He goes directly, nose first, into the wall. Fractured vertebrae. Fractured vertebrae. This is all IndyCar. And uh, so now it's like, okay, we need somebody to replace him. Who do they select over there at Dry and Reinbold? That racing team? They select Graham Rahal of Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing, who didn't make the 500. He got bumped. He's out of it because his car just not did not have the speed. And even though it was his teammate, Catherine Legg, who led to the accident, I'm not saying it was actually her fault, that took Stephen Wilson out, Graham Rahal is going to be able to get into the car. That's that's one of the crazier stories in sports. It, it, it is not. I'll get into it later because I need some time to digest it and, and, and get it all together. Unreal. But for the rest of America, the debt ceiling is the story. The debt ceiling is everything. And as McCarthy and President Biden, Speaker McCarthy and President Biden, figure out how this is going to work, Everybody's got an opinion, including Representative James Clyburn. No, no doubt that that's certainly uh, uh, something that, you know, should be happening, at least conversations. Do you think that it took too long for the White House to reach out to the speaker and start at least that negotiation sooner? And and I'm just thinking, what is it going to take for Democrats and Republicans in the House to try and get something? 
Well, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think that we all recognize uh, that Janet Yellen has made it very clear to us that something needs to be done uh, by June 1st, and I think it will get done. But what I'm saying is I think we ought to stop playing uh, chicken here and just recognize the realities. 5149 Republicans in the House, 5149 Democrats in the Senate, and whatever we do must pass both houses. So I think that that's the way we ought to be approaching this. The president has made it very clear that he would like to have a bipartisan resolution of this. Uh, he says that, knowing full well as I do, that the 14th Amendment is still there, and as president of the United States, he has some authority uh, to use it, but he would rather not, uh, he would rather have a bipartisan resolution. He doesn't have any authority to use it. Representative Clyburn doesn't know what he's talking about here. I mean, he could try it. The 14th Amendment, amongst other things, says that the uh, full faith and credit of the United States, the debt of the United States, shall not be questioned. And that could be taken if one were so inclined as to say the president can unilaterally raise the debt limit. If that's the case, what is a debt limit at all? And for Jim Clyburn to say this, well, Jim Clyburn's just being political. He doesn't actually care about systems. He doesn't care about the Constitution. He cares about victory. And this idea of it has to be bipartisan. Republicans pass something in the House. Let the Senate pass it. It's led by Democrats. It raises the debt limit. It keeps the spending limits at at the levels in 2022. What's the big deal? I have to now uh, figure out a way to deal with your spending issues? You freak. I mean, let's talk about the spending By the way, I shouldn't call Representative Clyburn a freak. I should call the whole party a bunch of spending freaks. I should call all of Congress a bunch of spending freaks because they all spend too much. Democrats spend and Republicans spend slower. That's the way it is. But Senator Cruz goes about explaining where some of these spending numbers are. He's on Squawk Box over there at CNBC. You know, given Squawk Box gets into the numbers, I think it's worth pausing for a second and reflecting at how different this is from the past. So 2017, total federal spending was about $4 trillion. Total federal tax revenue was about $3.3 trillion. Now, quick math, that means we had about a $700 billion deficit. That was 2017. Fast forward to today. Total spending has gone from $4 trillion up to six and a half trillion dollars, six point four trillion dollars. Tax revenues have exploded. Tax revenues have gone from three point three trillion to four point eight trillion. Now, quick pause to note: when we signed the twenty seventeen tax cuts that I fought very hard to pass, every Democrat went on TV and said this is going to slash federal revenues and blow up the deficit. Turns out they were entirely wrong on that. Every year, federal tax revenues have gone up, and they've gone up from three point three trillion to 4.8 trillion. The problem isn't tax revenues. The problem is we had a spending binge from the Democrats that has caused the national debt to go from 20 billion to 20 trillion rather to 32 trillion. Now this is true. We should not deny that Trump spent a boatload of money. A boatload of money. Too much money. People don't talk about the spending of Trump. But, dear Lord, the spending of Biden is criminal. 
And in the end, the spending is too much and the spending has to stop. You understand that if Democrats get their way and we increase the spending, anybody, anyone anywhere in the country who thinks that inflation is going to stop is out of their damn mind. The inflation's not going to stop. The inflation will not stop. This happens. More spending happens. You've got another two years of this. Best of luck buying a car. Best of luck uh, buying a house. Best of luck finding things on the shelves. Good Lord. Now, in this debt limit conversation, there's this conversation regarding June 1st. The June 1st conversation is Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, stating that the money is going to run out. Our ability to borrow is going to run out. We're going to be up against it on June 1st. She has said this now a couple of times. The question, of course, is whether or not you believe such a thing. Do I think Janet Yellen is lying? Hmm. I think that Janet Yellen is often outrageously wrong because just like so many of these people, uh, it's a, there's a level of serious unseriousness. They look at things like they are college professors and you have to look at things like you're in the streets. These people never once get into the streets. These are the people who hang back in, in the uh, professor's lounge, in the teacher's lounge, with the patches on their elbows, and engage these dictates of how they'll how do this, and how we should do that, and how we should do the other. And then when it doesn't work, they go, hmm, that didn't work. Hmm, I guess somebody must have done something wrong. Anyway, and then they go back to teaching their classes two hours a week, getting called, oh, professor, you're so right, professor. You're so great, professor. And uh, and then, you know, having tenure so they don't have to worry about whatever it is they do. If you're asking my anti-professor, no, I'm anti-that. I'm anti the per, the 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 holier than thou. I'm anti the world of the university that does not represent real life, and professors who are not forced into real life, so therefore they don't engage real life with their students. But go back to this idea of June first. What if you don't believe it to be true? But I don't believe that. The first of the month is a real deadline. Like I, I don't understand why we're not making Janet Yellen show her work. She'll extend it, but right now she's using June 1st. Nobody, everybody knows that's false. That was Representative Ralph Norman at the end and Representative Matt Gates to start. Well, what if it is false? What if the June 1st deadline is false? What if... It's going to be uh, sometime, sometime in the, uh, sometime in June, sometime in June, maybe June 22nd gives you a little more time. Maybe things aren't as uh, dire and maybe it gives Republicans more operating room and maybe just maybe Republicans are starting to figure something out. They're used to 
to caving. Remember, they're Republicans. They cave all the time. It's the, it's you, you can't spell Republican without cave. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. I didn't do the math on that. But go with it. Um, they cave all the time. What if they don't? What if Kevin McCarthy is saying to himself, I know what could happen in the country. I know what could happen to me politically there. But I know if I cave, I'm out of speaker. I worked this hard to be speaker. 15 votes. Come on. I'm not going to cave. I'm not going to bend. The full faith and credit of the country is up to Joe Biden. I have made my call. That's all there is to it. This is the end game. Man, that'd be impressive. That would be impressive indeed. If indeed he can do it. If indeed they're up to the task. Maybe. Maybe they are. Maybe this is the plan. Maybe what you're seeing now is Joe Biden and his team breaking. They're the ones who are cracking, which is why you hear this from Pramila Jayapal. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic, you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. You know, I mean, I think that this is it's important that we don't take steps back from the very strong agenda that the president himself shepherded and led over the last two years. But if the president agrees to spending caps or if he agrees to work requirements on certain social safety programs. It's going to be a problem. We do not legislate through the debt ceiling for this very reason. Look, um, I don't know what it is you think that you do, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, but here you are. No one's interested in how you want to do it. Here it is. So maybe what you can do is grow up and deal with it the way it is. You're going to spend less. No, wait, not less. Exactly what you did last year. Now, I think that there will be some things that are given up there. I think there will be some conversations about, is there a change in loopholes this? Is there a change in code that? Other, there could be some of those things that both parties can agree on. Jackie Heinrich over at Fox News was saying that there were a list of things that they were negotiating and, and making up ground on and, and, and coming to agreement to, and then uh, they slowly fell out of bed. So... Maybe it won't be about the spending where Democrats get opportunity, but maybe it'll be on some other things on the other side. Carried interest loopholes and things like that. Republicans hold firm. They're going to gain a lot of people's respect. All right, maybe not from MSNBC, but honestly, that's not what they were going to get anyway. We'll keep our eyes on the debt limit and what comes next. I'm Tony Katz. The name is Evan Gershkovich, or Gershkovich. And Evan Gershkovich is the journalist from the Wall Street Journal who was arrested in Russia and the claims of espionage. Of course, this is a lie. This is the Russians we're talking about. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The state-run news agency, that's TASS, T-A-S-S, saying uh, that this reporter, his, his detention has now been extended another three months. 
an investigator from the Russia, Russian Federal Security Service, asked a court in Moscow to keep him there behind bars past May 29th. We just have Americans being uh, arrested and imprisoned by the Russians because we're supplying uh, fighter jets and other things uh, to Ukraine. Well, if we weren't involved in Ukraine, none of this would be happening. Of course this would be happening. Don't confuse two issues. Confusing issues is a ridiculous thing to do. This would be happening without question. This would be happening whether we were involved, if you will, or not. Because this is who Putin is. This would be happening to try and drag us into it. This would be happening for a multiplicity of reasons. Trusting Putin, trusting a guy who was KGB in those days, that's that's a pretty ridiculously foolhardy thing to do. There is no trust that could be had. We're talking about Vladimir Putin. We'll keep our eye on that story. In the United States, they deal with other things. Serious, serious issues. Like in California, where they ban Pez. I can't make this up. I don't know how. I have no way of making this up. This is a thing, an actual thing. The California Assembly has passed a bill banning toxic chemicals. The chemicals in question are linked linked to health risks, including cancer, behavioral problems in children, harm to reproductive health, and damage to the immune system. So um, Pez, hot tamales, and Skittles all have these chemicals. Now, I, I must say to you, without any fear, without any hesitation whatsoever... Skittles. Oh, God! Are disgusting. The only thing worse than a Skittle. I hate Illinois Nazis. Is the Tootsie Roll. Tootsie Rolls are devil scat. Ew, David. And no rational person wants a Tootsie Roll. And the people who actually hand out Tootsie Rolls for things like Halloween. And now it's springtime for Hitler and Germany. F these people. The worst human beings ever. Ever. Skittles are just disgusting. Because you eat a Skittle and you think you're getting an M&M, and then you get this fruit trash in your mouth, and you're like, why, Lord? Why, oh, why, oh, why? I didn't have a sound effect for that, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go with it. I, mean, I, I could put one in there. Oh, why didn't you just go home? That's your home. Are you too good for your home? Answer me! That didn't really work. But it's a good one. It's a good one. So you see, you know, they're, they're, they're serious folk in California. They're handling the big issues. 
Meanwhile, in North Carolina, the governor has declared a state of emergency. The problem? Well, parents think that they're in charge and have rights and that somehow they should decide things about their kids' education. Oh, my. It's a story. This is Tony Katz today. I'm declaring this state of emergency because you need to know what's happening. If you care about public schools in North Carolina, it's time to take immediate action and tell them to stop the damage that will set back our schools for a generation. That's the governor of North Carolina, a Democrat by the name of Roy Cooper. And Roy Cooper is what we call in the business a bad dude and a weird dude. He's a bad, weird dude. And he has declared a state of emergency in North Carolina because North Carolina, the General uh, Assembly, the legislature, I should say there, is most likely going to override a veto that is going to allow people to decide where their kids go to school and make sure that the money follows the student and not the system. That's right. State of emergency. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! What's going on? Holy crap, I am freaking out. Freaking out indeed, Peter. You can't let people decide where to send their kids to school. You can't think for a second that they're allowed to use their own money to make their own decisions. Let's go back to Governor Roy Cooper's statement in a more fuller context. I'm declaring this state of emergency because you need to know what's happening. If you care about public schools in North Carolina... It's time to take immediate action and tell them to stop the damage that will set back our schools for a generation. Here's what's happening in the next few weeks. Their private school voucher scheme will pour your tax money into private schools that are unaccountable. Private schools are unaccountable, according to him. Um. It's very clear that public schools are the ones that are unaccountable. It is very, very clear that it is public schools that have no interest in being accountable to the parents. The parent isn't allowed to know what the uh, curriculum is. The parent isn't allowed to read the textbook. The parent isn't allowed to have a say in how uh, the kids are taught. The parents can't question the books that are in the library. The parents can't question the TikTok videos the teachers make. The parents can't question the teachers at all. And if the child decides to call themselves this, that, or the other, the parent isn't allowed to know what's going on for the safety of the child. You understand that every time that gets said, for the child's safety, what the government is saying, whether it's state or local or federal, is that parents can't be trusted. Now, we have been discussing this for a long time, guys, you and me together. But make sure you know what it means. Because what we are discussing here is only one piece of many, many pieces regarding the war. 
Now, you're right. I am not a screamer, not a yeller, although I have a history and I have the ability. I like to engage. I like to break it down. I like to be rational. This is an ugly topic and an ugly subject. And you'll have noticed over the past couple months, I've got a bit of a Zen thing happening on this because I am not interested in the histrionics. I'm interested only in the fight. When people tell me that if I don't allow a nine-year-old to change their gender, if I don't provide gender-affirming care, I'm leading them to suicide, I tell them point-blank to their face that they're wrong. And if you think you can allow a nine-year-old to mutilate themselves because you're the parent, you're like, well, that's fine. We don't allow parents to hit nine-year-olds. Why would we allow them to engage in genital mutilation of a nine-year-old? And if it means, dearest political leftists, whether you're with the ACLU of Indiana or any other group, that we have to fight about this, okay. If you believe that a teacher is allowed to keep parents in the dark, If you believe the parent has no say and we need to fight about this, my answer is okay. My answer is the same answer as millions of Americans. But we have a lot of people who are making a lot of noise by making a lot of noise. I'm saying you don't need the noise. Now that's different than whether or not I think you should speak up. Oh, you should speak up. You should speak up, you should stand up, you should push back, you should fight back. But I don't want to talk about doing it. I don't need anybody just squawking on Twitter. I need parents and adults, grown-ups, professionals, decent people doing. That's my version of the war. I don't need keyboard warriors. I need people doing. When your school district says to you that parents don't get to know, well, pick the subject, I want 14,000 parents to show up in front of that school board, in front of those administration offices, saying, no, we're going to know everything, and you're going to change. We're just going to throw your asses out. We're not even going to get angry about it. Goodbye, gone, see you next. And then we put in the new board, and then parents, of course, are treated like, you know, parents. I don't want to hear from a school board that thinks that they're good and decent. I don't give a damn about you. I don't care if you ever work again. Don't you get it? When you tell parents they don't count, you don't count. And I don't want to sit here, and I don't want you to sit there and just be upset about it. I want 10,000 parents to show up in front of the school board, show up at the administration building, and tell these people it's time to go. Then vote them out and don't ever allow them back. I'm dealing with an issue in where where my kids go to school because they just hired somebody who was removed or decided to leave after a new school board came in from the town next door. I don't want this leftist as a part of my school district. And I am unabashed about it. I blame my local Republican Party for not getting enough people together to say, hey, we can't have all this competition. You got to have one candidate, get behind them and go. They didn't put together, in my view, the right slate. I've been very, very honest about this and I think I've made some enemies. And as you know, I sleep fine. But I think they might have it together now. I think they might have a plan now, realizing the mistakes that were made, and maybe the future looks really good. I'm certainly hoping so, because we got to get some other people out.
And my town is no different than your town. And if you say to me, Tony, you're having these problems in Indiana, I'm going to say to you, I'm having these problems in Indiana. These problems are everywhere because these woke scolds, they just pop out of the woodwork. My gosh, where who who decided to go after the liberal white women? Well, let me tell you, bravo, because, man, did you turn them? We're talking about madness right here. If there is something woke to do, they are not only all about it, but they don't know why everybody hasn't been doing it for the last hundred years. Liberal white women, they'll do whatever you ask. Just please don't call them racist. Good gosh. In the case of the governor of North Carolina... He doesn't believe that the money should follow the student. The money is only for the system. And the only system that matters is public education. Of course, this isn't true. I say this as I have discussed. My kids go to public school. You know what I've seen? Really good stuff. Not perfect stuff. There are a couple teachers who I don't think are worth their salt. There are a couple of things I've seen where I'm like, oh, that's that's not right. In the main, I'm impressed. I, I, I am, I am, I am. Now, maybe what I'm impressed with is how my kids handle it. Remember, they're kids. They don't handle everything perfect. But in the main, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of them. In the, in the way they, they handle the work and they handle the studies and they ask questions about things. And You know, sometimes you think, well, Tony, it's because of what you do and it's your kids. Can I tell you how little we talk politics in the house? We talk life in the house. We talk experiences in the house. We talk theory. I uh, theory is to me the everything. How do you how do you get to the point where you believe what you believe? How does that happen? That's the everything. People very much get into the the populism politics talk and that is that is not me. How do you get to the theory? I think that's what matters because that's what sets the, the, the basis. That's what sets the groundwork for everything that you build on top of it. So we do a lot of that. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's helpful. Maybe, maybe maybe my kids are just totally, totally in the clouds, right? Maybe they're just incapable of, of, of even understanding what's going on around them. I don't know. I, you got to be very honest. It could be one of two things. But if I decide that my, this kid or that kid or my other kid, any of my kids, um, they should be going to this school or that school because it's better for them, I should be able to decide that. And that Governor Roy Cooper thinks he should be able to decide that. Well, Governor Roy Cooper's a damn fool. So is anybody who buys into his garbage. You as the parent should decide what is best for your kid. And when you have school districts, governors, etc., who don't believe that you should decide, we should be clear in a very, very loud voice. We should be clear to say that this is unbelievably racist. Because what you're telling a black single mom is that she can't decide what's best for her kid and her kid's education. That's what's being said. Now, why did I use black single mom? Well, 
you would start by saying that people who don't want the public education, they can go to private school. If they can afford private school, they shouldn't be able to get the money. Well, of course they should. They pay in. They should be able to get the money. And it should be noted that the governor of North Carolina sent his children to private school in Raleigh to the tune of $28,000 a year. But the money he's paying into the district, thats why shouldn't that go with his kids too? But okay, enough talk about the rich people. I want to talk about the single black mom. You want to talk about the single white mom? Cool. Let's talk about single moms in general. They don't have unlimited income. We're inventing the story here. But they pay their taxes and they pay property taxes. Now you're telling me that they can't send their kid to the school down the street this way, to the the right, because they're only scheduled to send their kid down the street this way to the left? The school to the right has content that their kid would be better off getting. Skills that their kid would be better off learning. They know their kid. They know the aptitudes. Better off going to the school to the right. And you've got a governor saying, you don't get to decide. You're not an expert. You're not an educator. You don't know crap. I want to be there when the North Carolina governor, Roy Cooper, says this to a single black mom. I want to be in the room. No one else was in the room where it happened. I want to be there. I want to be the someone else in the room. And I want to have a bourbon in one hand and a cigar in another while you, Roy Cooper, the governor of North Carolina, tell a single black mother that she's not smart enough to decide where her kid goes to school. I want that on pay-per-view. Are you kidding? I want to see that happen, and then I want the people to decide. This is Governor Roy Cooper. He just told a black single mom that she's not smart enough to decide where to send her kid to school. What do you think should happen next? It's the people's court. Does he stay in office or do we kick his ass out? Just want to be there when it happens because that is what he's saying. That's what all of these progressives are saying, that you're not smart enough. And they're saying it all across the board. I utilize the single black mom as a, as, a, uh, as a straw man, sure. But pick your person. You. Your neighbor. The person in the car next to you. Look over in the car next to you. Give them a wave. They, the, these people, like Governor Roy Cooper, they don't believe you're smart enough. They don't believe you get to decide. And when a group of people, government-funded, believe that you shouldn't be able to decide, that is a war against you. 
Notice I didn't say it was against a Republican or against a Democrat, a progressive or a conservative, a white or black, Asian, Hispanic, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, gay, straight. It's a war against you. We are not that divided. But we damn well have to be united if we're going to push back on this. And pushing back doesn't mean screaming and yelling on social media. It means 10,000 parents showing up at the governor's mansion saying, nope. It means voting Cooper and his acolytes out of office, voting these people out of office for these school board seats, and making sure that you are always the person who matters most in your kid's life. It is a war, and you have to fight it right. I'm Tony Katz. If I do it right, by this time tomorrow, Let's Go Barbecue is available at Amazon. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, the second in the Let's Go series. The first was Let's Go Bourbon. That is available at Amazon.com. Let's Go Barbecue. That is next, and it is done and done and done and guaranteed. Once once published, I'll be like, ah, I could have changed that. And then we're on to the next book, which right now is Let's Go Baking, which will be about food and not the other stuff. Um, But it could change. And the question as to why we haven't written the cigar book yet, well... That's that's going to be a two-parter. There's going to be a part that we utilize in the Let's Go series, and then there's going to be the coffee table book. And that's going to take some time. So I've been delaying that one on purpose. But Let's Go Barbecue will be available for Father's Day. It is the Father's Day gift of the year. You'll find that at Amazon.com from Eat, Drink, Smoke. This is Tony Katz today.